This episode of the Live Life Aggressively show is sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health-conscious people such as runners, cyclists, strength trainers, plant-based athletes, and more secure lower rates on their life insurance. Health IQ uses science and data to help its customers living a healthy lifestyle secure lower rates on life insurance, as opposed to typical waist-to-hip ratio calculations used by conventional life insurance companies. Health IQ is not a life insurance broker or an insurer. Health IQ is a life insurance agency providing exclusive rates to health conscious applicants who qualify through their Health IQ quiz and other lifestyle quizzes. You can even get additional savings by submitting actual data such as race results as well as your Strava, RunKeeper, or other fitness lifestyle app data. How can Health IQ pass along these savings? Well, Health IQ can save you up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash LLA or mention the promo code LLA when you talk to your Health IQ agent. Again, head over to healthiq.com slash LLA and get your free quote today. And don't forget to mention the promo code LLA when you speak with a Health IQ agent. Hey folks, thanks for downloading, subscribing, and listening to the Live Life Aggressive Show. This is another week, another episode, another great guest. I'm your host, Sincere Hogan. Got Mike Mall on the other side. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying our names for all the new listeners out there, just in case they don't read. Because you know people don't read anything on the internet anyway. They just listen and they just look, Mike. So I, I figured that out. <laughs> so we probably don't say who we are and what the show is every now and then, just in case. So what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing good, man. As usual, we have another fun conversation with our guest before we start recording, so we're going to get to him shortly. But real quick, I just want to remind everyone how to support the show. One, you can use that coupon code LLA. You go to MikeMahler.com, get 10% off everything you see there, supplements, ebooks, DVDs, everything, lecture courses, everything you see on there. Or they can go over to your site and or they can go to your site and do the same thing, NewWarriorTraining.com. And you can also support the show by giving us a review on iTunes. And this doesn't cost you a thing. So many of you are thinking, I don't want to buy anything. Fine, you don't have to buy anything. But if you like the show, go leave a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to the show, because that helps us a great deal as well. And you don't have to write a thesis. Just write a couple sentences on why you like the show. Hell, if you're really busy, just say five stars. Great show, guys. That's it. It'll take you less than two seconds to do that. Exactly. And... Also, you can head over to Patreon.com to support the show by becoming a premium subscriber by going to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Start at the $5 level or check out the other tiers that we have and get even more benefits. And as you probably have heard now, by the time this episode comes out, you start to get bonus episodes that are not going to be released on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the free platforms out there. It's exclusively just for our Patreon listeners. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber and you want to know more about those and you're missing out on those things, then stop missing out and head over to Patreon right now and become a subscriber and get access to all those bonus episodes. And there's going to be a lot more where that comes from. So just taking care of the people that's really been taking care of us from the, from the start. So just showing our appreciation to you guys. Absolutely. Well, great. We have Jerry Branham on. He's one of our yeah, he's one of our favorite guests. 
and I'm a big fan of his newsletter as well. Those of you that are a fan of Jerry, you don't talk about how much of a fan you are and you haven't subscribed to his newsletter yet. Because if you love the information that he has on the show, you're going to love what he has over there. And again, Jerry, where, where can they go to subscribe to your newsletter? www.appliedmetabolics.com. It's very easy to subscribe. You just go right on the site. You can subscribe in two seconds. And, uh, you know, as I said my, myself previously, I mean, I, I, I think that anybody with any level of education will learn something in every newsletter and every issue I write because I've been studying this stuff for 56 years and I learned something just doing the research. And, and you know, and the, and the topics I cover are off the road. It's not the stuff you're going to find on the various websites and blogs. There's, right. you know, a lot of unusual stuff in there, but it's all practical. That's the thing. I, I don't write for myself. I'm, I'm trying to write with the reader in mind. So I'm trying to give it, you know, information that somebody could actually put to use right away. And I, and I cover, uh, you know, there's other newsletters, but I cover a, a, a rather broad range of topics. Everything from fat loss to, you know, building muscle to losing body fat, anti-aging, hormonal therapy. I, I cover the waterfront. So, you know, it's, it's like I say, it's like 40 to 50 pages a month. It's a little, it's a little heavy reading. I mean, it's far, it's not, it's not that it's highly technical. I don't write it like, I write in a magazine article style. You know, I don't write it as if it's right. a medical journal. But, you know, the thing is, it does take a little bit of attention span, but, it's designed to be read on any on any uh, media. You could read it on your computer. Yeah. You could read it on your phone, your uh, smartphone. You could read it on an iPad if you have that. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I always tell people, you know, when they when they get a little overwhelmed, when they you know when they get an issue, they see it's fifty pages. Oh my God, how am I going to read this? I said, well, look, I said, just take it in, in bits. That's the way I write. I, I yeah. set a quota yeah. every day of, of words. I don't write 50 pages at once. I burn out in one day, you know. Just take it in small chunks. You'll, you'll absorb it better anyway. That's the way the human brain right. works, you know. Right. If they would actually like, print out some of the blog posts, Facebook posts, if they were to print those all out within an hour of them sitting there scanning and, and scrolling through their phone, actually reading something, they would realize it's far more than 50 pages just from doing that. Oh, yeah. I so. mean, uh, it's, it, well, I mean, I've been doing it. What is it? I'm going, I'm in my fourth year now. If somebody were to print out uh, every issue, geez, I think it would be like <laughs> five feet tall. I mean, I, I don't. I, it scares yeah. me how many words are in there. You know, I mean, uh, you've written <laughs> several books without you've written several books without realizing it. But one smart thing you also exactly. do is you have summaries at the end of every art. What, what I usually do when I when I read every issue, I've been a subscriber yeah. for a few years now. First thing I do is I go read the summary just to get an idea right. of where you're going. And then right. if I find if I don't if I don't find that interesting for whatever reason, let's just say it's a, it's a topic that I don't care about that much, right. I'll just leave it there. Usually it's right. something intriguing though. After I read the summary, I want to go get the details. So you have, you well, have the Cliff Notes version and you have the extended version. Exactly. I, I put that in the first couple of issues. Honestly, I didn't have the summary, but you know I got a couple of requests from you know they'd send me emails. I have an email portal on the site for subscribers to send me suggestions or ask me questions, anything they don't understand about the articles. And I'll even answer general questions for subscribers just as a bonus, you know. I figure they're supporting my work. I'll, I'll answer questions, you know. I don't charge them for that. Yeah. It's just kind of free bonus. But, you know, I, I got a couple of emails where people were requesting, uh, could you put a summary, you know, so, uh, you know, so at least I get exactly what you just said, Mike. So I get an idea of what's, you know, what's the article's about, you know, and, and maybe I'll read it and I'll read it later, whatever. So I started putting a, 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 a boxed off summary in there, you know, where it basically summarizes the main points of the article, where, again, it leaves it up to the reader. If he wants to read the, the details, he can go back and read the main body art of the article, you know. 
So I, I try to listen to, to, to the readers. You know, if they make requests, uh, you know, I, I try and, uh, I, again, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, put the readers first. Uh, there's a lot of subjects I would write about, you know, because they interest me, but I always, before I consider writing about a topic, I say to myself, how many people would really want to read this and get some benefit from it? If I can't answer a good amount, I discard it. So it's amazing how many topics, which I find fascinating, but a lot of them are just too damn technical. I mean, and they're not practical. Right. I mean, for a lot of this, for example, a lot of the anti-aging stuff is extremely interesting to me, but there's nothing you could do about it right now. It's kind of like future right. stuff. And, you know, right. but if it has any practical value, there's, there's just something involved where somebody could put it to use today, then it might pass my test, and, and you know, then I'll write about it in depth. That's the way I, I kind of put these things together. You know, what's interesting is we're seeing anti-aging, at least futuristic anti-aging information, merge with entertainment. There's a show on Netflix called Altered Carbon, which is really good. I just finished watching it. It's a great show. If anyone is looking for a really good sci-fi show, if you like Blade Runner, that kind of genre, you'll really like that show. But What's they the infuse a lot of this stuff. It's called Altered, Altered Carbon. Car- Wait a minute. Is that yeah. where the guy comes, where they bring the guy back? Uh, he was killed and everyone has the potential to be immortal in the future now. They have this. Right, basically right. Your yeah, whole they can make clones of themselves, right? The, exactly. So if your body dies, you just put your... It's like having a cell phone where you lose it or it breaks, and then you just transfer all the data into a new one. And it's like you I never actually, lost your phone, right? It's like I that kind of watched, concept. I, I actually watch uh, – what do they call that when you watch all the episodes one after another? I forgot there's an expression for that. Yeah, binge watching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, binge watch. I, I actually binge watched that show over a period of two days. I watched all, all – what was it, ten episodes? I can't remember. I, I, uh, I watched all of them all the way to the end, you know? I mean, it was a very yeah. interesting show, very interesting. It gets better as it goes along, so I won't I won't give away too much. But, I, but yeah. it gets better. First, give it a few episodes to really sink in. The first episode is interesting, but it gets better as it goes along, and once the twists start coming in, I mean, if yeah. you like a show like The Punisher in terms of the action and the storyline, yeah. you'll like this show as well. Even if you're not a sci fan, sci fi fan, I think you'll like this show. I especially like the scene where the uh, guys. Uh sister uh you know fights the other woman while she's completely nude i thought that was a unique uh <laughs> i've never seen a woman fighting a female frontal nudity a lot of female frontal nudity as a bonus yeah as well. yeah i know i mean you know i mean some, these, some these, male some male frontal nudity which i didn't think was a bonus but some of you may yeah right bonus. right yeah yeah by far the greatest like promotions that make people watch that show that that Netflix has ever done on all the ads that I see that appear on my Instagram feed. Like that right there is okay, now I have to go finish watching this now. I gotta show right. this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, these these actors a, and actresses so, uh, or at least their body doubles are are very comfortable with their bodies to do this show, that's for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's true. The guy, the lead actor was in pretty good shape too. I mean uh Oh yeah, know, he was in he got into really great shape. He wasn't. Yeah. He didn't look like that in previous roles. He was in a show called The Killing. He was in RoboCop. You know, he's been in a couple things, and he's never been a guy that's out of shape. But he didn't look like that. He didn't look like he did well, in that show. Yeah. They definitely well, worked I get, him out. I get. I guess obviously, knowing that he's going to be walking, be walking around naked, showing everything, he wants to appear pretty good. I mean, uh, I remember many years ago. You know, we're going to be talking about Vince Garanda. 
I was at Vince's yeah. gym one day, and uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of an actor named George Hamilton. Uh, you know, he, yeah, the sure. man with the the man with the perpetual yes. pan. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was I was in uh, Vince's gym, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I was a kid. I was like 19 years old. You know, and I I got in a conversation with George Hamilton. You know. And I recognized him, but I didn't act like, you know, I knew right from the start not to bother the celebrities. In other words, I would never gush over them like some people do. And, oh, it's George. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just acted like he was another guy at the gym, you know. And I remember him saying to me, he says, he says you know why I'm here? I said, why? He says, I'm, I'm going to be starring in a TV show where I have to walk around with my shirt off. He said, if people see the way I look now, they're going to vomit. <laughs> I still remember that conversation after all these years, you know, because the guy, I realized, I, I didn't know George Hamilton until I talked to him, and he seemed like this vain guy. And, he, you know, he had this very interesting self-deprecatory humor, which he, he actually was a likable guy, you know. I, I remember one time when he was finished his work, and I see this huge black limousine pull, pull up. And these guys in black suits with sunglasses. And, and uh, when they opened the back door, George got in, and I could glance. He was dating, uh, I think her name was Linda Bird Johnson. It was president, the president at the time was, was Lyndon B. Johnson. This was his daughter. Yeah. They, they picked him up at <laughs> Vince's gym, believe it or not. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about Vince, but real quick before that, just to make sure we get this on this episode, let's talk sure. about myths regarding soy because people okay. still like to sing the song of soy causes an increase in estrogen it lowers testosterone right. it's going to give you it's going to give you an organic sex change you're going to have bitch tits let's right. clear up hey throw the disclaimer on there first before we start first of all jerry is not a vegan so for all you vegan haters yeah. you know and 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 meat zealots right. Just letting you know that this is not a vegan point of view this is actual science oh right exactly. what a right. concept Correct. Now, proceed. <laughs> now that this, now that now that we've set that disclaimer aside, <laughs> we can tell the truth, right? <laughs> exactly. So now the haters just have to sit there and be quiet and listen. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the thing the, the thing about soy, this has been going on for years. It still goes on. I mean, I see all over the internet they have these uh, things about how bad soy is and. You know, like you say, it can cause gynecomastia, which basically is the development of male breast tissue because of an uh, imbalance between estrogen and testosterone. Uh, it, it depresses thyroid function. It, you know, it does this, it does that. But the truth of the matter is, you know, my response to those claims are only, you know, the famous Paracyclus was a early... Uh, I don't know what he was, alchemist, I guess he was, you know, in the Middle Ages. He made a famous statement that only the dose determines the poison. In other words, uh, in science, and I wrote an article about this in my newsletter, there's a principle called hormesis. And what it states simply, this applies to many things, what it says is that anything within a certain dose could be, be a lot of things, I should say, are beneficial, but once it gets past a certain dose, it becomes toxic. It's almost like a U-shaped curve. And that could be said for exercise. It could be said for drinking water. Uh, if you have a certain amount of caffeine, you could have a heart arrhythmia. You know, I mean, it, this is a very broad type of situation. And the same could be said for soy. In other words, if you were to have massive amounts of soy, certain individuals would start to exhibit some estrogenic symptoms. But the amount of soy required to do this, you'd have to go out of your way. I mean, there's isolated reports 
in the medical journals of, uh, I mean, there was one guy who was, I think, drinking five gallons of soy milk a day, if I remember correctly, something like that. And he did get gynecomastia, which they thought was traced to the soy. But my point being, in, when consumed in normal amounts, there's nothing wrong with soy. In fact, soy has a couple of features that are actually very good. I mean, uh, there's some evidence that it lowers, uh, you know, LDL cholesterol, which is related to heart disease. Uh, it, it does it does a lot of things. The two isoflavones in there, uh, of course, uh, you know, related to body movement. There's a very interesting effect of soy that a lot of people who are involved in weight training or fitness aren't aware of. This is very kind of new. Most doctors don't even know what I'm about to tell you. And here's what it revolves. You know, you have androgen receptors and estrogen receptors. You know, these are the receptors. In the case of androgen receptors, this is what testosterone interacts with. Uh, now, with estrogen, with androgen, there's only one type of receptor. But with estrogen, there's two. And the two types of estrogen receptor is labeled estrogen receptor A and estrogen receptor B. Now, you know, it turns out that uh, both these things do different things, but it turns out that uh, estrogen receptor A, they think now it plays a role in promoting prostate cancer, even much more than the testosterone. Testosterone's basically been ruled out. But now you know, they're looking at estrogen receptor A because it can cause some initial changes in the prostate which result in cancer. Now, it turns out, very interestingly, it's amazing how nature works because while estrogen receptor A possibly promotes prostate cancer, estrogen receptor B nullifies the effect of estrogen receptor A. So it was, what it comes down to is if you could somehow selectively stimulate estrogen receptor B, you're going to nullify the effect of estrogen A in promoting cancer. So the net effect is you get a much lower risk for prostate cancer. Guess what? There's a, there's a couple of, not many things in nature are known to selectively stimulate only estrogen receptor B, but it turns out that one of them is the isoflavoins like genistein, which is found in soy. It selectively activates only estrogen receptor B. So in that, because of that, soy will actually have a preventive effect against prostate cancer, which I don't remember offhand. I think it's the third leading cause of death in men, especially older men. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of that, and they're also not aware of the fact that uh, you know, a lot of these bodybuilders are concerned about estrogen, you know, because it causes gyno, it smooths you out, and I'm not going to eat soy because it raises estrogen to make me smooth, blah, 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 blah. What they don't know is that some, one of those same estrogen receptors they now know is needed to activate what they call satellite cells, which are muscle stem cells needed for muscular hypertrophy and muscular repair. When you, when you work out, you, you basically break down muscle tissue, and the satellite cells step in and contribute what they call myonuclei, and they help to basically rebuild the muscle to the extent that there's a, a, uh, a process that occurs where the muscle gets a little bit thicker, you know, the fiber, and that's what we see as muscle growth. And it turns out that est uh, you know, stimulating one of these estrogen receptors actually activates the satellite cells. So reducing too much estrogen, you're working against yourself. And it turns out, once again, soy 
happens to stimulate that same estrogen receptor that results in muscle growth. So this notion, guys, that consuming soy is going to hurt your bodybuilding or fitness efforts is laughably wrong based on absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, absolutely nothing. That's just one aspect of it. But there's so many misconceptions. Are you guys there? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, I'm oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not here. I am out of mute. That siren's going by. So. No, there's yeah, I'm, a, I'm on mute as well, just so there isn't any background noise. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Oh, right. Okay, because I, I just heard dead silence. I don't oh, guys, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, I, again, I mean, you know, you know, if you get this this notion that that you'd have to be taking massive amount, nobody consumes that much soy, and, right. and you know, from the perspective, you five of, gallons. Look at, the one is the one example you gave. I mean, five gallons of soy milk. That's ridiculously yeah, ridiculous. high. Ridiculous. Who the hell can? And, who the, yeah, who the hell can consume that much? Who can? Who can? Yeah, exactly. Soy that, that, that tasty, that's man. Tough. Come on. No, soy milk is. I'll be honest. I don't. Soy milk is nasty. So I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't like it. There's, there's way better alternatives to soy milk. Coconut nut, coconut milk, almond right. milk. If you're looking for some dairy alternative, there's way better options that taste. Way I better. totally so agree. Let's definitely start there. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, who who even drinks who even drinks a gallon of any nut milk per day? That's the guy, a lot. Well, the guy was a nutcase. I can't remember the reasoning why he was doing that. <laughs> But I mean, he, he, I remember the comment by the, you know, they're very dry, the comments they put in these medical, they, they basically said that he was nuts without saying that he had a mental problem, you know, but you know, I mean, only a guy with a mental problem would, would down that much soy milk to begin with. But you know, soy is unique among vegetable proteins. And I'm sure you guys being vegans, you both know this. Soy actually is, is a complete protein, you know, which makes it right. very unusual. And this explains why soy was one of the earliest protein supplements offered to people in bodybuilding. Bob Hoffman with the York yeah. Barbell Company, his protein products were all soy-based uh, because, you right. know, it had all the amino. But, you know, so if there was a nutrition professor, let's say, standing here, he might say, hold on, Jerry, Soy is a little bit lacking in one amino acid, methionine. Methionine is, is a essential amino acid, meaning that you have to get it in food. You can't get it from, uh, it can't be made in the body from other substances like some other amino acids. So, you know, but believe it or not, you know, it, it does contain some methionine, but it is a little bit low in comparison to the other essential amino acids. But very interestingly, and this is really fascinating. <laughs> this is incredible. In the last couple of years, animal experiments have shown that if they cut methionine out of their diet of, the, let's say, rats, the animals live up to 30 to 40% longer. In other words, right. there's something about methionine which actually reduces longevity. Uh, nobody really, I, I've tried to find a, a mechanistic explanation. Nobody seems to uh, have it, you know. But, you know, the thing about uh, uh, methionine is that my, my guess, I, my only, I'm, again, I'm guessing on this, the, the, the worst thing about methionine, uh, and by the way, methionine is very important because, among other things, it's the precursor for creatine synthesis, synthesis in the body, and, and it's, it acts as what they call a methyl donor, which is involved in a number of very important uh, uh, uh activities in the human body in, in relation to producing certain important biochemicals in the body besides creatine. So without methionine, you get a condition called fatty liver because these methyl groups supplied by methionine are needed to help the uh, liver get rid of fat. 
And as it is, you guys probably know, there's a mass epidemic of what they call non-alcoholic fatty liver going on right now. There's 51 million Americans are said to have this fatty liver, which is a precursor to liver failure. It's very, and, and insulin sensitivity, diabetes, a number of diseases. But my personal theory of why methionine, uh, you know, decreases lifespan, and this is the one negative about methionine, is that it has a tendency to be converted into a metabolite called homocysteine. Homocysteine is a toxic uh, metabolite, which, among other things, uh, can attack neurons and also the lining of arteries. It's related to heart disease and all that. Uh, I think that, you know, possibly a long-term intake of methionine because of the homocysteine effect, that might account for the decrease in longevity. But, you know, the really crazy thing about it is that homocysteine is not a big deal if you take in three nutrients. And the nutrients are vitamin B6, vitamin B12, and folic acid. All three of those Mm -hmm. completely neutralize homocysteine and turn it into this harmless substance, which is immediately excreted in the urine. So it makes no difference how much methionine you're consuming. If you uh, consume those three big vitamins, you're fine, you know. But what I find interesting is soy being naturally low in methionine, you know, they used to consider it a bad thing. It's actually considered a feature now <laughs> because uh, right. you can say it's a kind of longevity food because you don't want to eat a lot of methionine. You want to keep it minimal just in case, you know. So, you know, it's an interesting emerging science. I'm going to be writing an article in my Applied Metabolics newsletter about some of you know, you know, you always hear these positive things about amino acids, and they are positive, you know. Amino acids, of course, being yeah. the elemental forms of protein. But, you know, there are certain aspects of amino acid metabolism that are not very healthy at all that very few people know about. And I'm going to write an article about that. Uh, in fact, I also am going to write an article. There's a big controversy in medicine now because, you know, the famous branch-chain amino acids, leucine, isoleucine, and valine, which are called the muscle yeah. amino acids because they're the, they're the three amino acids most involved in the muscle-building process. You know, it turns out that they're involved in a couple of... Uh, uh, pathologies, uh, you know, they think it'd be related to obesity and insulin resistance, and nobody really, you know, how could something that apparently is healthy have such a dark side to, and make, you know, so I'm going to write an article explaining why branch chain amino acids and possible anecdotes. I mean, you know, it's not a question of not eating branch chain amino acids, because if you do that, first of all, they're all essential, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And, you know, yeah. you're not going to, if you're involved in any kind of weight training or exercise, you're going to be in deep crap because without branched-chain amino acids, you don't recover. I mean, there's no muscle growth at all. So, but getting back to soy, uh, you know, I did oh, just research. real quick, with, with yeah. branched-chain amino acids, the negatives are likely connected to just overdosing isolated nutrients. In other words, 40, 50 grams of branched-chain amino acid right. supplements a dose that you would never get through whole food-based proteins you know, throughout your day, even if you're consuming a lot of protein. Right. So I Mike, agree. is how much of it? How much of it is? Yeah. How much of it is related to that, where it's not branched chain amino acids that are the problem, but maybe over-consuming them via supplements that isolate them. Right. Well, also a lot of the problem with branched chain amino acids. I mean, branched chain amino acids, especially leucine, are very effective at promoting muscle protein synthesis because they stimulate an enzyme called mammalian targeted rapamycin, also called mTOR. 
And mTOR again is something with a you know a good uh, it's a growth promoter. Again, it's the key to it's a cornerstone of muscle protein synthesis. But it has a dark side because as you get older, it tends to get out of balance and you actually produce too much mTOR. And you have too much mTOR, then you have things like it stimulates cancer proliferation, uh, it stimulates heart problems, and all this thing. You know, but you see the the good news about this. Is there are nutritional antidotes to this? Here again, you know, nature doesn't leave you hanging. You know, uh, it, it, it provides antidotes. If somebody knows what to do to balance out mTOR, they, they don't have to worry about it. You know, I'll, I'll be having an article about that. But, you know, to, to put it uh, simply, it has to do with also stimulating another enzyme called AMPK. AMPK is the yang to mTOR's yin. In other words, if you keep those two in balance, there's no problem. Now, what you said, Mike, is true. In other words, if you over, uh, if you over ingest isolated branch chain amino acids, you'll, you will, will overstimulate mTOR, and that could lead to a lot of metabolic problems. So it has to be kept in check and balance. You can't go crazy on this stuff, you know. I mean, like, it's just, again, that principle of hormesis that I mentioned earlier. A lot of things are, are very beneficial up to a point. If you go past that point, now you're in toxic territory, which, you know, you could have a real problem with. More of the Live Life Aggressively show right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Live Life Aggressively show is sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health conscious people such as runners, cyclists, strength trainers, plant-based athletes, and more secure lower rates on their life insurance. Health IQ uses science and data to help its customers living a healthy lifestyle secure lower rates on life insurance, as opposed to typical waist-to-hip ratio calculations used by conventional life insurance companies. Health IQ is not a life insurance broker or an insurer. Health IQ is a life insurance agency providing exclusive rates to health conscious applicants who qualify through their Health IQ quiz and other lifestyle quizzes. You can even get additional savings by submitting actual data such as race results as well as your Strava, RunKeeper, or other fitness lifestyle app data. How can Health IQ pass along these savings? Well, Health IQ can save you up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash LLA or mention the promo code LLA when you talk to your Health IQ agent. Again, head over to healthiq.com slash LLA and get your free quote today. And don't forget to mention the promo code LLA when you speak with a Health IQ agent. And now back to the show. Yes, the more the more is better mantra has applications here just as it does in a lot of things. You know, working exactly. out four days a week may be great for you. Now you work out, you're like, well, I'm going to start working out four times a day and get four yeah. times the results. <laughs> and then you just right. yourself up. Well, I see, I see people at Gold's Gym and where I train, uh, where they, you know, I see them just every, I don't train every day myself, but no matter what day I come in, they're there. So I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I said to, I said to one guy, hey, you know, how many days a week do you train? He says seven. I said, don't you ever feel the need for a day off? He said, no. He says, I feel great. And I look at the guy, and I've watched this guy for about maybe seven years. He hasn't made a single gain, nothing, nothing, no progress whatsoever. Probably I, I not trying to. 
right? The gym is probably no. just part of his routine. Like I, I know some senior citizens at the gym I go to, and like you said, Jerry, every time I go there, no matter what, they're there. So that <laughs> yeah. you know for a fact, it's, it's not coincidental where they just happen to be there on the same days I go. No, they're there. Right. They're there every day, most likely. Now, for me, I and think it could be there for, for them. Just, more than just training. It could be there yeah. for social reasons, exactly. you know, or just getting out of the house. Exactly. You know, just, right. exactly. you know, they, they like just being around the iron. You know, just there's so many different reasons why, other than just that's going right. to just go in and work out and make progress in fitness. So and yeah, for some right. people, that's not so necessarily a bad different thing. Different motivation. No, that's true. No, it's you're, not. You're absolutely true, yeah, I know. But the thing is, I mean, you know, like, again, there's a limit to, as you said earlier, to how much, if, if you are trying to make progress, you know, I mean, right. and if you're not trying to get bigger, uh, I, again, I, I, I don't want to exclude the uh, social motivation that Sincere just mentioned. In other words, the, the idea that, let's say, older people may be lonely or something. I know a couple of like people like that at the gym. You know, I could tell. I mean, right. they just don't have anybody. And, you know, the gym is like their second home. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's fine. But, you know, if you're just uh, trying to, let's say, not get bigger or stronger, you know, and you know, you know, you're not there for social reasons, why would you want to bother going to the gym seven days a week? I, I don't understand that oh, type yeah. of thinking. Oh, I, can, you know, I concur completely. I mean, I mean, if you're actually trying to make progress, then you're absolutely correct. You can't work out hard right, seven days right. a week, I think, is where we're going right. here. That's my point. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. yeah. So let's. you want to get back the gym, to the gym? Is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Because <laughs> we can get off on a tangent here about the social motivation of going to the, but uh, you know, like, you know, Good so so you know, and you know, there's continuing studies. Uh, I think I think I read something just the other day. There was a new study about how some of the soy isoflavones, like genistein, diatomaceae, they apparently seem to reduce the accumulation of a protein in the brain called beta amyloid 42 which is associated mm-hmm. with uh, Alzheimer's disease. So, I mean, these things are coming out all the time, and yet they're never discussed in these anti-soy articles. You know, it's like, you know, it's like the people that are, are against soy tend to cherry-pick. You know, they, they never mention the right. positive studies. Instead, they dig for these studies, like the one we mentioned earlier about the idiot who drank six gallons a day of soy milk, and they'll use that as evidence about how dangerous soy is, you know, neglecting the right. fact that no- normal amounts of soy e- consumed by rational people will never cause those side effects. And they've done dozens of studies, by the way, solid, double-blind crossover s- studies of young men involved in resistance exercise who've taken soy products, soy protein, whatever, and soy foods. They haven't overeaten them, and they've tested their levels of estrogen, Testosterone, various hormones. There was no, there was no deleterious effects in any of them. In other words, it did not raise estrogen at all, and it did not lower right. testosterone one bit. And these are solid, double-blind studies. These are not manipulated. There was no ulterior motives. There was no soy companies involved. These are just scientists. One of them, I, I even remember his name because I, I corresponded with a guy named Mark Messina. Is a, uh, uh, I think he was associated with a, a soy company for a while, but he, you know he, he's a he's a smart guy. He, he's he's probably one of the leading researchers uh, in relation to soy and its effects on physical uh, physically active people. He's done a number of reviews. He backs it up by hundreds of studies. So you know this guy, it, it, it's solid. It's, it's ridiculous. The people that are, are going around saying that 
It's going to cause estrogen uh, buildup. And uh, you have to understand, uh, soy, the isoflavones, those are the so-called estrogenic ingredients in soy, uh, genistein and diatazine, for example. These things have, are you ready for this, one ten thousand, one I can't even say it, one ten thousandth of the potency of estrogen, one ten thousandth. Now think about how much of those things you'd have to eat to, uh, you know, to, but, but they can, for example, in a woman who, uh, you know, who wants to, let's say, prevent breast cancer, the soy, you know, moderate amounts can actually displace some of the, uh, uh, you know, it's the same principles as, as I said earlier in men with prostate cancer. Right. It can, it can kind of displace, it can kind of help neutralize the effect of estrogen receptor A, which stimulates, which is known carcinogen. Uh, you know, it stimulates breast cancer without a doubt. Now, if you take soy and you kind of like neutral, you know, you stimulate the, the opposing receptor, estrogen receptor B, now you have a preventative effect against cancer. So in that situation, soy, uh, you know, acting like estrogen is a very good thing. Because it prevents the negative effects of estrogen, see? So, you know, yeah. it, it depends on, on, well, we on can how even, you... We can even say with men that the phytoestrogens in soy can dock in the estrogen receptors and block stronger estrogen receptor uptake and therefore actually lower overall estrogen levels. Well, that's exactly right. And that's how it prevents prostate cancer. In other words, it, you know, it, it, it kind of modifies the balance between the two estrogen receptors. Because, you know, without having a, uh, let's say, a selective estrogen receptor modulator or a CIRM, that's basically what soy is. Uh, you know, that mm-hmm. term applies to certain drugs, for example, Navidex, you know, or Tamoxifen citrate, right. which yeah. many bodybuilders Arimidex. use to... Yeah. Arimidex, exactly, which is a yeah. aromatase inhibitor. You know, these mm-hmm. things uh, work by basically blocking uh, estrogen or inhibiting estrogen production but soy actually is a natural form. It's not, it's not a drug. Right. But, but, you know, there's no other way to describe soy because of a selective estrogen activity. It would be classified as a CIRM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator, which is very interesting. Well, there's a doctor, yeah, there's an there's a anti-aging doctor named Dr. Eugene Shippen. He wrote the testosterone syndrome. Yeah, I've heard and of him. He yeah. Would give, yeah, he would give soy to his TRT patients who had excessive aromatization, right? So they're converting testosterone and estrogen at high rates. He would actually give them a certain amount of soy each day to lower, block that conversion or improve the testosterone estrogen ratio successfully, I may add. Right. I, 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 do, I, I don't remember offhand, but I, I believe that some of those isoflavones actually do have an anti-aromatase activity. But I, I, honestly, it's been so many years since I, I looked at it. You know, I, 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 I'll take it that it does, but I mean, I, I vaguely remember there was some sort of involvement there of soy uh, against aromatase, which of course is the, uh, that's the enzyme that converts androgens such as testosterone into uh, estrogen. I mean, you just remove one carbon, you know, from uh, testosterone and you've got estrogen. It's a, you know, it's a very simple process. Right. So, so uh, you know, so anything that, uh, uh, you know, but I also, I also have a little bit of a pet peeve about this stand of a lot of people have about how bad estrogen is. Okay, estrogen is the one right. human hormone which is officially classified as a carcinogen. Not testosterone, as many people believe, but estrogen is. 
And it's classified as a yeah. carcinogen because it is a known stimulator of uterine and breast cancer. There's no question about it. But the thing is, you can't discount some of the benefits of estrogen. I mean, without uh, estrogen maintains neurons, it, it maintains HDL. One of the reasons women have less chance of getting heart disease when, when they're premenopausal is because estrogen, a lot of people don't know this, estrogen stimulates nitric oxide production. Nitric oxide production in the endothelial or lining of the blood vessels keeps arteries supple. It keeps them from becoming stiff. When arteries become stiff, that sets the stage for atherosclerosis and eventual heart disease and strokes. If you can keep your arteries flexible as you age, your chances of cardiovascular disease drop dramatically. But as they stiffen, it, just the opposite happens. You have, you're, you're heading right towards cardiovascular disease. So, you know, right. that's why, you know, you see that uh, if you look at the statistics, you'll find that women after menopause, when their estrogen, you know, when their estrogen goes down, they lose all their protection against cardiac. They, they're just as prone to cardiovascular disease as men. All their natural protection right. evaporates. So, you know, this notion that estrogen is a, uh, just an evil hormone uh, is just absurd to me, and, and it just people don't understand how it works. It just doesn't work like that, you know. But of course, they never bother to uh, to read and uh, you know understand this. They just you know look at this internet crap, you know. You know, right. there's nonsense on these forums and these blogs. These you know, as I said, in, as I said in my newsletter, you know, if you if you look at the opening page. I said one of the motivations I had, to, you know, to to start writing my newsletter was I was just disgusted at what I was reading on the internet. So much misinformation and crap, and based on nothing. And you know, the, right. the truth is, as we as we know, anybody can write anything on this. No requirements. You don't have to have you don't have to have any knowledge, any background, nothing. Anyone could write an article. Uh, you know, you could throw in a couple of technical terms, and, and people think you're an expert. It's a sad situation, but all I can say is. I try and combat that nonsense with facts in my newsletter, and a lot of other people try to do that too. But you got to be real careful of what you believe and what you read, because uh, you know the internet is the wild, wild west. I mean, there's so much nonsense on there. Yeah, honestly, you got to be real careful with what you say. Period, because you don't know the ramifications of what you're saying, the negative or positive right. impact it can have. So you really have to, even philosophical points, you really want to think them through before you just put it out there in the canon yeah. of material for people to go through. Yeah, and, uh, you know, what's that term again for uh, where, where you present evidence to somebody? I, there's a certain, I, I mentioned on past shows with you guys uh, where, you know, you, you, you present, you, let's say you're having a debate with somebody, you present them with solid evidence, and no matter how much evidence you present to them, they still are steadfast and they refuse to believe it. Yeah. There's a certain yeah, cognitive, zero cognitive, zero cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. <laughs> I was waiting. loves that term. It's the biggest religion in the world. It's bigger than than Christianity <laughs> and Islam. Cognitive dissonance. Oh, yeah. Sincere can write a book on it. Yeah, Sincere can write a book on it. He feels that. I have to agree with him because I, guys, listen. You can tell how strongly he feels that whenever that phrase comes up, you know it's you know it's coming too, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just waiting for him to drop it. As, as you were reaching for it, I go, here it comes. <laughs> yeah. But you see, the thing is, I mean, you know, I, encou- I encounter this almost on a daily basis. I'll get in oh, a yeah. conversation. Yeah, we all I'll get in, I get in a conversation with somebody I don't even know 
we and let's say we get on a subject uh, maybe it's related to nutrition or exercise and and you know they're saying something which i know is blatantly false like uh, just to pull something out of here like well somebody will say to me well you know i want that six pack abs you know i want to have those really sharp abs like some of these actors have today so uh, i'm going to go to the gym and do you know 10,000 reps of sit ups every day you know and i'll point out that you know spot reducing is a myth you know you'd be yeah. better off doing aerobics and dieting than knocking yourself out doing 10,000 uh, reps <laughs> and they'll say, no, 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 I, I read on the internet, and, you know, you, I mean, and then you have, you know, you know, you have, you know years ago, in the so-called golden age of bodybuilding, you know, back in the, when Arnold was around and those, a lot of the guys did do a high rep ab training, but they didn't really know what they were doing. They felt that if they did high rep ab, right. it would burn all the fat off and, you know, but in the interim, in the years, in, in the intervening years since then, they know how nonsensical it is. The notion that you could selectively burn fat off your abdominals and not affect any other areas of the body. And yet, I recently saw an article by a guy who's unusually educated for a champion bodybuilder. You guys might have heard of him, Frank Zane, who was a three-time yeah. Mr. Olympia. I was shocked, and Frank is an intelligent guy, and I was shocked to see him advocating doing several, he says, I still do several hundred reps of ab uh, training. I'm thinking, Frank, why are you telling people that? It's ridiculous nonsense. You don't, I mean, you of all people know that it's diet and, and aerobics. I mean, it, you know, but I mean, Frank is, is, is an example of cognitive dissonance. He's so firm well, he in thinks, belief. He thinks that's what, he thinks that's what worked for him. He thinks that's what exactly. gave him the standout abs, right? Because in his prime, everyone always said, man, look at his abs. I want abs right. like him. Now, now right. how do you sell that? Right? You, you can't sell it by saying, I'm, I have a genetic predisposition to having great abs, or it was a side effect of the training I do, but if you do the same training, you're not going to get the same results, right? You can't sell right. that. you got to have something to say. So then you say, right. well, do 500 sets of setups. Do 10 different ab exercises. Yeah. And right. he, he might have had – he did those things, but he didn't have the abs he has as a result of those things. Right, exactly right. And also, you know, if you think about it, I mean, the cognitive dissonance involved is that, I mean, the very definition – for him to admit that those years of doing hundreds of reps of abs were basically hitting his head against the wall would be too hard to accept. In other words, so he'd rather stick with the dogmatic idea that, yes, it was necessary for me to do hundreds of reps of abs to achieve the abdominal development. He simply cannot admit that he was wrong. Another guy in that category is another famous body, Bill Pearl, who's another believer. Sure. Bill Pearl used to... I mean, when I was a kid, he told me to do 12 different ab exercises, 100 reps each. <laughs> you know, and he said, begin your workout, use it as a warm-up. Do 12 ab exercises, 100 reps each. I said, Bill, by the time I'm finished, I won't want to train. That's like I work out, you know. Yeah, exactly. He says, he says well, that'll take an get... hour and a half at least. <laughs> yeah, he said, he says, well, that's the way to get really uh, tight abs and small waist. And, you know, later on, you know, I, I, many years later, I got in a discussion with him at his gym I said, Bill, please tell me you don't still believe in that, like, hundreds of reps of abs stuff, you know? <laughs> he said, oh, I absolutely believe it. I absolutely believe it. And, I, you know, I, I said to myself, you know, he's so set in his ways, it's, it's useless right. to even argue, and I just changed the subject. I realized I'd be, I didn't want to get the guy mad. You know, I liked him personally, so, uh, you know, I said, you know, he's been doing it for God knows how many years. He thinks this is the only way to go, so, you know. That's, that's true. He's saying... 
Do you want to talk about Vince at all? Or Vince Grant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Whatever you're ready, man. Yeah, whatever you're ready. Let's talk about Vince. I'm ready. I'm ready. What do you want to know about him? Okay, well, in your you wrote many articles about your experiences with Vince, so I just want to know right. what what kind of impact did he have on your training philosophy, and what kind of person was he individually? Oh, boy. He seemed like a real eccentric character the way you described him. He had a tremendous impact on my. Uh, uh, Vince basically turned around my bodybuilding career because. Long before I met Vince, I was I was a kid in New York. I was a teenager. I think I was about 15 years old, and I was training with a guy named Pete Caputo, who also lived in Brooklyn, where I lived, and we used to work out together. Uh, and uh, he would go back and forth between New York and California, and he'd train under Vince. And uh, he'd bring back Vince's principles training. He'd teach me how to do these exercises. And I remember him showing me a couple of Vince's abdominal uh, exercises. You know, like Vince was advocating partial or crunch sit-ups way before they became popular. I mean, years before. And also, you know, Vince's dietary principles, such as you know, low carbohydrate diet. You know, emphasis on milk protein, that kind of stuff. And, and I used it, and I, I, I just made tremendous. My whole body changed. Uh, so you know, he, he had a huge influence on me. And, of course, I finally did, when I did come out to California uh, at age 18, the first place I went was Vince's gym. And, uh, you know, I had been warned by Pete. He warned me about Vince's personality. He says he's a, he's a very smart guy, but he's kind of eccentric. He says, when you first meet him, he's going to insult you. So you can't let that get to you. He says, you know, if you, if you uh, act angry, He's going to hate you, and he's not going to want to talk to you. And I'm looking, I'm like, what kind of guy is this I'm thinking of myself? But I, I took that to heart. So when I came to California, when I first came out here, I, I had no car. And, you know, so I took a bus to uh, Vince's gym. I was wearing a sweatsuit. And I, I remember my first meeting with Vince Garanda. Here he is in the front of his gym. And uh, he, he comes up to me, and, and uh, he, he kind of sniffs my uh, sweatsuit. And he says, hey, kid, how'd you get here today? I said, well, I, I don't have a car. I took a bus. So he looks at me, and he says, I bet you didn't have trouble getting a seat on the bus. <laughs> that was the first conversation I had with Vince. And what I did, think, you know, I remember Pete's admonition to not react, and I just laughed. Yeah. And Vince, uh, yeah. right from that day on, I became kind of good friends with him. And Vince is the kind of guy, you know, the old cliche, you either love him or you hate him. That was Vince Garanda. You either found him extremely irascible and irritating, or you liked him a lot. You know, and I liked him a lot because yeah. he, you know, he constantly taught me things, and he he had these very wry observations about people in the gym. You know, I'd sit in the front of the uh, gym with Vince, and he kind of like talk to me sort of Oche. He talk about these people training on the gym floor. He'd kind of like make jokes about them, and uh, it was hilarious. The guy had a hilarious sense of humor, but a very knowledgeable guy, and. Uh, uh, you know, I wrote that article in my newsletter because I, 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 a lot of people want to know about his training techniques. A lot of them, as I right. pointed out, are still valid today. A lot of the, his ideas, some of them are not, unfortunately. You know, time has, has shown that uh, some of his ideas have been disproven by science, but largely he was like, I'd, I'd say, I'd have to say he was way ahead of his time uh, and definitely one of the most knowledgeable people and definitely, without question, Probably one of the most unique personalities I've ever met in my life. A very funny guy. 
Very yeah, didn't, didn't you say in the article? Didn't you say in the article that he would he would go and fart in random people's faces while, while yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, he, there would be guys like lying on a bench doing like a <laughs> tricep exercise, and he'd walk by and, and just like uh, you know act like he was going to help the guy, and then just suddenly uh, like like uh, you know bend over and fart on the guy. I mean, uh, he, in some ways, Vince was. I guess he was what was it, I think he was in his sixties, late sixties when I knew him. He was like a 60-year-old going on age 12 in some ways. I mean, he was like a kid. I mean, he had a weird... A weird I remember one time there was this uh, actor... Uh, you remember that show with the two motorcycle guys, uh, year, uh, Chips? Chips? You know, the Chips, TV yeah. show? Eric Estrada. Yeah. Remember uh, Eric... Yeah, Eric Yeah, Vince was training Eric Estrada in the gym. It was a hot day. They had the back door open and the front door open. And so one of the other members uh, says, you know, while Vince is training Estrada, one of the members of the gym says, hey, Vince, could you shut one of those doors? There's kind of a draft in here. So <laughs> I was there. Vince says, he says, he says, I, he says, Eric likes to get fresh air. You don't like it? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that was his <laughs> response to uh, to the guy's request to close one of the doors. So, you know, it's easy to understand why. Some people didn't like Vince, but I, like I say, I, I found him a very interesting guy. Never had a problem with the guy at all. You know, just uh, just a real. I, I remember him telling me that his his father was a stunt man who, uh, yeah. you know, in the original Ben Hur movie, his father rode huh. the, in the famous chariot race in the silent screen yeah. version of Ben Hur. His father was the uh, rode the chariot that was supposed to be Francis X. Bushman who was a uh, silent screen, who was supposed to uh, be the star of the movie, his father was the one who actually rode the chariot in the movie. You know, so every so often I'll look at that scene and, and uh, you know, I'm thinking, oh, there's Vince's father, for, you know, uh, riding that chariot, you know. In fact, Vince actually... Uh, some really interesting, really interesting training ideas. The one that I thought was really funny is he wasn't a fan of barbell squats because he thought it made your ass too big. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> The one thing that Vince hated, he hated uh, wide hips and a big butt. He hated that. He thought that was extremely on, ugly. On, on, <laughs> let's, let's clarify. Well, he, he would, you know what? Vince would hate Instagram today. What? <laughs> he would hate every woman on Instagram because those are all the Instagram, those are all the Instagram models at this point, and that's what they focus on. So he would be yeah. dying right now. Oh, he would. Yeah, and then the takeaway, the takeaway for any woman listening is, oh shit, squats are going to make my butt too big. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Oh, German volume training, barbell squats. Get started. If, if Vince exactly. ever looked, if Vince, if, if he was alive and saw a photo of Kim Kardashian, I think it would cause him to vomit on the spot. I mean, he, he thought those big, gigantic butts. I mean, and uh, I mean, and look what it's done for her. It's her entire career is based on her big behind. I mean. It's funny how things have evolved, but Vince did not allow squat racks in the gym. You know, he, no pun you know, intended. He, he wasn't a fan of uh, you know heavy bench presses. He had he, instead he right. Had he, didn't, he didn't think it was good for the. He didn't think it was good for the chest, right? It was more of a tricep exercise. The way he yeah, looked no, at front, it. Yeah, he felt it was front delt and tricep. So what he would right. do is he'd have he'd have kind of a Smith machine with a like a, bar, a little kind of thicker bar. He'd have you get under it, and you do a bench presses, but you do it to the neck with your elbows back, okay. you know, at a 90-degree angle. You know, that you'd be hitting the upper pectorals, and that was his version of uh, bench mm. presses. Uh, and, you know, he again, he was, uh, he thought a lot of standard, you know, bodybuilding exercises were just garbage. He And uh, his philosophy, he told me once how he learned, 
you know, how he developed a lot of his exercises. He said he trained uh, at a famous uh, gym in Los Angeles. I can't remember the name of it. I mentioned in the article, but he uh, he was a trainer there. And uh, this is before he opened his own gym. And he trained with a guy. And what they do is they actually make up exercises. And, you know, the next day they would determine which part of the muscle was sore. And they would, you know, they would kind of figure, well, this exercise gets that part of the muscle. And he developed a whole repertoire of exercises based on his empirical, uh, uh, you know, experimentation of trying various unique exercises that nobody had ever done before to hit different parts of the muscle. So you could say Vince was really big on isolation exercises to develop various aspects of the muscle. You know, this is why he had the so-called preacher bench or Scott bench, which was, of course, made famous by uh, probably one of the best in bodybuilding history. Uh, but you know, right. uh, you know, he, he designed a bench where it had a certain curve, a certain angle, where you you would you know hit certain, let's say, lower parts of the bicep. Uh, Vince also had this uh, bicep that you called it the drag curl, where you would take a bar instead of doing a regular barber curl, you'd curl the bar up along uh, a line to your body. In other words, actually, you you know, you know what I mean, you, you keep your elbows to the side and curl with the barbell actually going up your body, if you could picture that. Mm. And uh, he yeah. said that this, uh, he pointed out that the bicep is a two-headed muscle. I think he said something about this got the inner head of the bicep. That was the whole thing with Vince. He was real big on, on affecting different parts of the muscle. And by doing so, he felt you get much more complete development. He had various tricep extensions, pulley, long pulley tricep uh, extension for the outer part of the tricep. I mean, uh, and the funny thing was, when you when he showed you the exercise and you tried it, sure enough, you really did feel it in the in, in the part of. Uh, I remember him showing me a couple of lat exercises. He said, "This will get this part of the lat or this part of the back," and I felt it exactly like he said. As long as you would use the proper form, it would hit exact area. He said, "So you know, he was way ahead of his time with that kind of stuff." Uh, you know, so 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 uh, again though. I mean, in the, in the long run, though, I think that uh, his leg training ideas were a little bit on the weak side because I did want right. to have big legs back then, and, you know, I felt that I did need to do squats. Vince had me just doing these kind of weird hack squats where you thrust your thighs out and, and this type of stuff. He had me doing sissy squats, and uh, this is nice for leg shape and leg definition, but I felt that I wasn't getting the leg mass, you know, because there was no leg press. Nice. There was no squats in his gym. I felt that those were the only exercises to really build that mass, you know. So yeah. after about a year of training at Vince's, I, uh, uh, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger had showed up and trained for a couple of months. Arnold uh, <laughs> got, you know, Vince was constantly, uh, you know, antagonizing him and calling him names. So uh, Arnold got sick of it and went, you know, moved over to Gold's Gym in Venice. And uh, when I heard that they had squat racks and leg presses, I, I kind of followed uh, Arnold over there. I, Arnold joined a month before I did, and then I joined Vince's gym. And I have to say, everything he told me in the way of nutrition and exercise. I was a young kid. I can get hey, Jerry, check your mic, man. Oh, you, yeah, you're feeding, you're feeding in and out. You're feeding yeah, in and out. In and out yeah. Oh, I think I had my finger over the thing. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, I, when I first joined Vince's gym, I, I was overtraining. So Vince put me on what he calls his eight sets of eight routine, where you do one exercise, eight sets of eight. And I'm thinking to myself, going from 30 sets to eight sets, uh, how can I make any gains? You see, but the trick was that he only allowed you 15 to 20 seconds rest between sets. And, yeah, you know, brilliant. if you actually do it, 
it's a lot harder when you act than it sounds. I mean, uh, even though I was very young and in good shape, by the time I got to the about the fifth or sixth set, my muscle was dead. I could barely get to eight sets, and I grew. I, I started growing again after after being you know in a plateau for who knows maybe a year or so where I hadn't made any gains. I started gaining like crazy. So I can say honestly say that everything he told me. Uh, everything he advised me to do worked. Now, the, the only problem with Vince, again, he had that quirky personality where if he took the time to show you how to do a certain exercise and then you didn't listen to him, in other words, you went back and did something else, he wouldn't talk to you. He would just write you off and, and not answer you. He was funny like that. He would not talk to you. he just, get away from me. You know, I saw him do it with a couple of guys. He said, I have nothing to say to you. I mean, he, he had that really funny personality. <laughs> Luckily, I never felt I never got into that category. In other words, I, I followed his advice. I, I, I saw no reason not to. So when he showed me an exercise, well, the only thing I asked him was, could you check and make sure I'm doing it right? He had this weird three-part tricep exercise, I remember. It was like a lying on a bench. You two, take two dumbbells and you bring the elbows in and you bring them out. It was, I don't even remember how to do it, but uh, it was very concise. You had to do it right. And I, I remember asking Vince to... Uh, to watch me to make sure I was doing it right, and uh, he watched me, told me I was doing it perfectly. Unfortunately, I don't remember how to do it. It's been so many years I haven't done the exercise. It was kind of like a very three-part three tricep exercise, but it sure as hell gave you a tricep pump, I'll tell you that. It really worked. You know, so uh, Vince was definitely uh, probably one of the most knowledgeable men I've ever met in all the years I've been involved in this bodybuilding. He's, he's definitely among the top five for sure. There's no question about it, you know. No question. He had an interesting way of doing dips too, right? Weighted dips, where or just even right. body weight dips, where you tuck your chin in, That's and right. I believe your elbows flare out, and you keep your legs straight, and you look down at your feet. Is that correct? That's correct. In fact, he considered that the best pectoral exercise you can do. In other words, if you right. did it right, when you, when you kind of feet out, your chin down, just like you said, your elbows out. And he had a, like a, a V-shaped dip bar. You know, and you, if you did that, he, he said it gave you that real nice line under the pecs. He said and it didn't give you the overly bulky pecs like uh, heavy bench presses. It would give you like these really super, uh, you know, refined pectoral development. That, that was his number one pectoral exercise. Now, I got to tell you, it was a, you know, a little hard on the shoulders, though, if I recall. I didn't have shoulder problems back then, and today I do very much so, but... I mean, I don't, I don't think I could do one rep of that today, those dips. I mean, because it, it was yeah. it put your shoulder in a very precarious position. Uh, you know, yeah. if you had any kind of shoulder problem, uh, you, you, you'd, be in big pro, you'd be in big trouble doing that type of dip. But, you know, if you did it right, you, you would, again, you'll get this tremendous feeling in your pectorals. Uh, and it was, believe it or not, more isolated if you did it properly than a bench press in the sense that, these things, although they also involve the frontal deltoid and the and the tricep, you you know the, the position of the body it was your pectorals actually exerting most of the force. Whereas, as you guys know, when you do bench press, the pectorals only come in about maybe a third of the movement. The rest of it is all frontal deltoid and uh, triceps. So you know, this was those dips were actually a more direct pectoral exercise than standard bench presses. Interestingly enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've tried it. You feel it. You feel the the chest, the pectoral soreness is immense. The next oh, day, yeah. so I have to definitely feel that. Oh, there's no question about it. You know, his lat exercises. He had, like I said, he had a a pulley where you could do like a, a high, a high, he called it a high lat pull, 
which would get the upper lats, and then you had the low lat pull, you get the lower lats. And I'll tell you, boy, you really felt that. I mean, what a tremendous pump you'd get in the uh, pectoral, I'm sorry, in the lats. He told you to squeeze the shoulder blades together when you did the low pulley roll to get all the upper back muscles. I mean, uh, Vince was really a a real true connoisseur of of exercise form. I mean, he was like, like I say, there's nobody like him. Uh, I don't, uh, it's hard to imagine anybody today who uh, had Vince's, uh, uh, let's say, uh, uh, repertoire of, of tricks to work the different parts of the muscle. Very unique guy, you know, very unique. Felt bad yeah, when he died. Yeah, that's a guy who's constantly. Yeah, he, he, when did he pass in 1990s? Or was it earlier? 97. 97. Yeah, yeah, 97, 97. yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah what, the story I heard, unfortunately, I didn't keep in touch with, after I left Vince's gym, I visited him a couple of times. Although I regret, I have to say, I didn't visit him as much as I should have. In the last couple of years, I didn't see him much. And the story that I was told was that, you know, with the advent of these gym chains, you know, his membership started to go down. He had to sell his gym. And, uh, you know, it kind of broke his heart. and he, His health went. And he, he just basically died. I mean, you could say he died of a broken heart is the story. I felt really bad when yeah. I heard that. You know, But uh, that's what I was told. I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I know Vince had well, a, that, that just that kind of personality alone is going to be antithetical to most gym memberships, right? Can you imagine oh, no, someone yeah, talking I mean, to uh, members? Yeah, can you I imagine mean, someone he, talking to members the way he did? People would no, he's, people would probably sue him. <laughs> you know, he'd be I mean, crying, he, running. Oh, I mean, if you think about it, he was like 360 degrees away from a gym chain like Planet Fitness, or as I call it, Planet Fatness. Where they go out of their way to to, uh, to avoid insulting you, you know. I mean, the, the whole the whole spear with that gym chain is we don't care what you look like. We're not going to, uh, you know, and anybody who trains hard, yeah, yeah, you know, God help you if you if you grunt or drop a weight in that place, you know, they do everything they can to discourage anyone who's serious. And if somebody walks in uh, wearing a you know muscular guy wearing a tank top. They try and you know make him leave because they feel he's going to uh, you know intimidate. Intimidate the yeah. yeah, I mean, I read stories of women wearing, let's say, tight gym clothes, and they were in good. No, nothing revealing, but they were in good shape, and they basically threw them out because the obese no, women in the gym were uncomfortable looking at these. You're in a gym. (laughs) This this is the point to go from being uncomfortable with your body to actually getting somewhere comfortable. And this is this is the after effect of actually putting in work. So this is give you an idea. Find it inspirational. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be more out of shape people who are going nowhere because that's not gonna that's not gonna motivate me to keep coming. You know, (laughs) my thing is if I want to do better with my my diet, I don't want to go and hang out at a buffet. Okay, that's not gonna get me. That's not gonna inspire me to do better with my diet. (laughs) Not only that, but I mean, they have they have days at where they they put like donuts on the counter pizza and pizza pizza night yeah, and stuff pizza like day, yeah. yeah. I mean, what the hell is that about? I mean, the people yeah, are going. All, to, I mean, well, that's like going to a crack house. You know, you have free samples. You know, for the crackheads out there. You know, <laughs> what, what better way to keep you coming to the crack house than to give you a little sample of the thing that brings you here in the first place? Yeah, I mean, so, the, the, and, get, and get new customers too. Yeah, because yeah, if you get in shape, you're going to probably go to a better gym. You're going to end up probably going to, I don't know, Lifetime or something like that and take a step away. Yeah. So, no, we've got to keep you miserable and, and looking frumpy because when you go to those other gyms, 
People like that, they don't look like this. And you're going to be very uncomfortable, so stay here. So what better way than to entice them with food? <laughs> He's like, okay, yeah. here you go. Here's some There's pizza. Some, uh, Enjoy. Some comedian, some comedian had a whole bit about the benefits of fat shaming, how he thinks that, you know, how, how effective it is. <laughs> you know? He's like, look, man, just praising fat people, talking about how great they are. That shit doesn't work. Look, look how many fat people there are. So you got to shame them, man. You know, just like bullying. You don't become a badass by not being bullied. You got to get beat up. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, the funny thing is, Gold's Gym, if you look at Gold's Gym, again, they're the, they're the uh, complete opposite. In other words, their entire reputation is based on champion bodybuilders training there with the, with the unsaid notion being that by training in the presence of these you know, champion muscular bodybuilders, you right. will be inspired to improve your own level of muscularity. In other words, rather than be intimidated, right. they serve as an inspiration. And uh, the Which I think Planet is Fitness true. is saying yeah. that you know, you know, we we don't want well-built people because our, our our clientele have such a low level of self-respect that they they cry in the corner if they see uh, a person who's in. Sh- I mean, these people don't. They should go to a psychiatrist before they even right. consider going. If they're that messed right. up, that seeing a person, a male or female, in, in decent shape, upsets them to that degree. I say forget Planet Fitness, go to a psychiatrist and get your self-esteem up a little bit before you even consider joining a gym, because you have problems, pal. You know, you're not going to get in any kind of shape if you have that messed up mentally. You know, I mean, right. you know, it's, it's, it's really, but then again, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of people walking around, you know, Planet Fitness, they appeal to people that are just in terrible shape, you know, uh, you know, they, they give them a place to congregate where they have other p- people in terrible shape, where they could commiserate, right. you know, and, and feel good, and somehow feel good about themselves. It's a really well, sick. And also, and people with terrible, in, you know, people with bad, you know, with low income as well. They, you yeah, know, they send the, uh, also make themselves very month, affordable. Yeah. yeah. So, so what they right. feel like is like, okay, if you're if you can only afford this, you're probably not eating that healthy anyway, and we don't want to exactly. make you feel any worse about yourself. So let's just give you the food that you're used to anyway, and, and hey, at least you got to the gym. At least you found a way to. Spend nineteen dollars a month to come to you know come to the gym or whatever. So let's not well, make know, them feel totally crappy. Well, you know, I, I actually read an article. Somebody actually, uh, uh, a reporter, investigative reporter, looked into uh, Planet Fitness, and uh, he found something which should be you know blatantly obvious, and that's the fact is that the whole premise of uh, Planet Fitness, you know, their low gym membership rates and their their uh, selective clientele of really out of shape people. Is in the hope that these people will burn out after. In other words, they're not really dedicated to getting in shape. They don't. They don't really. They don't really want to get in shape, but they feel guilty. So they, right. you know, they think, oh, it's a cheap gym membership. We'll go. But after about a month, never or two, cancel. They, yeah, yeah, well, they never come well, back. That's the business model of most chain gyms, anyway. Whether they want you to be in that's shape right. or not, you know, that's twenty four hour fitness. That's Bally right. when it was around. That's L A Fitness. That's what they all hope. They really hope you don't continue to keep coming. Any gym I've ever worked for, they, they would always have the bad joke of the best customer is the one who signs up and never comes back and never cancels his exactly. or her membership. Exactly. That's the whole premise of these places. I mean, because let's face it, if everybody joined, I mean, and, and continued coming, you yeah. wouldn't have enough room to train. Why doesn't a gym ever reach a maximum membership base? Where they can't sign up any more people because they have too many members. Why doesn't that ever happen? 
Think about it. Yeah, yeah. because they don't, I mean, want, they, they, don't, they don't want you coming. Yeah, imagine if every single member of whatever gym you go to showed up at the same time. That's my point. The, the thing is, that's never going to happen, though. You know, that's, no. they're, they're not worried about that because they know it's never going to happen. No. Even at Gold's Gym, I, I see people there. They'll, they'll be there for a couple of weeks and then disappear and never show up. I see it all the time. All the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. I mean, you know. I mean, this is the whole premise of these gyms. I mean, they, they, they're hoping that people don't come back. And the truth is, most people find an excuse not to come back. Oh, I'm too busy. And if you make I, you know, it I have cheap my... enough, yeah, if it's, if it's 10 bucks a month, you're just going to, you're not going to, you're not going to call up the credit card and say, okay, I don't, I, I don't, I don't recognize right. this $10 charge. And then they don't make it, they don't make it seamless for you to cancel either. You can't just send them an email and say, hey, I want to cancel my membership or yeah. even a phone call. You have to show up in person. You got to fill out some paperwork, yeah, come blah, in. blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah, this, well, is, this is all on purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, know, the, 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 you hit it on the head. That's the reason for the $10 membership, because they know that the people are not going to come back, and they're going to keep paying it anyway, because they signed this contract. They figure out oh, what's the big deal, $10, you know, who cares? You know, if it was like $50 a month, that would be a different story, you know. But $10 a month, eh, you know. That, you know but if well, you, you also may look at it as, you may look at it even as, hey, if I, if I even show up once a month, it's still worth it, right? It's only ten bucks. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Two fifty a week, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that the fact that once a month is not going to do anything to help them is besides the no. point. You know? no. But I mean, somehow they feel in their minds that just showing up at the gym once a month uh, will uh, is better than nothing. Uh, well, the truth is, it's not much better than nothing, really. You know. So what can I say? Now, my, my attitude about a gym, and I go to a nice gym, local gym, Fitness 19. It's a, it's a chain. I don't know if it's a nationwide chain, but it's, it's a chain out here. But anyway, it's 10 bucks a month. All I want is the equipment I want to use. Give me a clean gym with the equipment I want to use. And to be fair to them, they've any innovation, any renovation they've ever made has always been in my favor. Now, obviously, they're not doing it for me, but it just shows you a certain level of being progressive. Like when right. once CrossFit proliferated, they got bumper plates in there. They got rings for pull-ups and dips. Now that makes up most of the gym. It's not your typical gym where it's just old cardio machines and and weightlifting right. machines. I mean that stuff is there as well, but it doesn't yeah. take up the bulk of the gym. The stuff I need right. is there: squat rack, right. deadlifts. You don't mind me doing finding a gym that even allows you to do deadlifts. That's more and more difficult because they don't yeah, want true. the loud noises. And remember, and also to be fair, that's a lot. A lot of members complain about that. These got these wussy ass members who think they're in the library. Someone's doing heavy. Yeah. It's happened to me at the gym. Well, but the thing about it is they've never told me to stop doing it. The, an employee will come over to me and he'll even say as he's coming over, he's like, Hey man, I just need to make it look like, you know, I'm telling you to, to keep it down <laughs> you know, because yeah. so-and-so complained over here. It's like, I'm not telling you to keep it down. I just have to make it look like I came over and told you so. You know, so even they don't want to have to deal with it. They, they, right. Frankly, right. If you're, frankly, if you're smart and you own a gym, if you're actually trying to help members, let's say you're not just trying to get people to sign up and never come back. You, you want fitness-oriented people in there, male, male and women devotees, like these people that are in there all the time, like myself and many other members that are just crushing it. Because if, yeah. if you actually want to get in shape, you're going to find that stuff inspirational. If you're intimidated and you don't want to be around that, that just means you don't want to get in shape. You're just fucking around. True. That's true. And then those kind of people burn out anyway. They don't last. They're not motivated. You know, they right. think they want to get in shape, but they, you know, when, when, it, when it comes to putting the actual work in, you know, involving exercise and nutrition diet, they, you know, they just can't stay, they can't stay the course. They burn out. 
you know, the ones that yeah, can everybody do wants it, the outcome. Yeah. Everybody wants the outcome. Everybody wants the outcome. Nobody wants the journey. <laughs> That's exactly right. That. That's right. You know, and it takes some work. You know, and a lot of people aren't willing to do that. That's that's the problem. So, you know, I mean, I, I have not been able to work out myself now for, I guess it's going on three weeks because of this illness I have, you know. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, as somebody who goes to the gym all the time and does cardio, I, I, I'm going crazy. I mean, I, I can feel my yeah. body, you know, just uh, detraining here, and, and it's driving me nuts. My, I'm showing muscle atrophy, and I, I keep asking myself, I said, this this is the norm for many people. They never work yeah. out. How do they live like this? Right. I feel terrible. Right. I mean, I have fuzzy thinking. I can't. I mean, I, I just don't have any energy. I, how could people live like this? You know, I, I, it's, it's, I, I guess it's because I've been doing this for so many years. I started working out right. when I was twelve, and I've been doing it since then. And I can't imagine yeah. not working out. You know, it's like a, it's. Well, that's me, the thing about it. Well, if you never experienced that, you, if you never, most people have been like this all their life, so they've never experienced feeling good and feeling strong. You know, then they they have nothing to really compare it to. But once they experience that, then then they're gonna feel like you feel, Jerry. Like hell, I don't ever want to go back to that again. I don't ever want to feel miserable again and feel weak again. It's just like it it becomes addictive. You know, especially when it's brand new to you. You're like, oh shit, this is what it's like. Oh hell yeah, I'm all in. (laughs) That's happened with a lot of people. Uh, A lot of people who injury can be depressing to them. You know, they can be very depressed. Like oh crap, now because they're afraid they're gonna end up going back to that that unhealthy life they had before they started working out. So they get right. hit harder with depression than either one of us could. You know, we know, like, yeah. okay, I'm going to be off. You know, I might be able to, I won't be able to train completely the way I want to for the next few weeks or a couple of months, but I can still do something. Whereas for them, it's still so new to them. They're like, oh, crap, I'm on the men. I'm on the shelf for a whole six months. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be back to being that weak, fat person that I was before, and they get really depressed. And it just really just starts the snowball effect for them. Yeah, well, that's exactly I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of semi in that category myself because, uh, like I say, you know, this lack of exercise along with this uh, catabolic illness I have, I could see my muscles shrinking. And, uh, you know, even though I'm not a competitive bodybuilder, it tends to, like, make me feel pretty depressed. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. up until I got sick, I, I felt many years younger than my chronological age. And these days I feel my – I have a birthday coming up, February 26th. And I got to tell you, as we speak, I feel every bit of my age. I mean, I never felt this way. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, it's an awful feeling. But like you say, uh, sincere, you know, if you've never experienced being fit and you know having tons of energy and clarity of thinking, I guess you know you don't understand how I feel. It would be hard for them to understand. You know, that's right. I mean, Jordan yeah. Jordan Peterson in his new book, you know, Twelve Steps for Life. The first chapter, his advice is. Stand up straight with your shoulders back and your head held high. Now, the fact that you even have to tell anyone that is a sad commentary on life, you know, especially men. As, right. as a man, you should be walking like that normally. Like, I don't consciously think, okay, Mike, pull your shoulders back yeah. and you know, look forward with purpose. That's just automatic. I don't think to do right. that. It's not something I have to remind myself to do. But so many people don't. If you look around, so many people are slumped. They're looking at their fucking phone the whole time. 
Well, well I'm saying now, yeah, yeah. now you have that to actually reinforce that behavior now, but your phone and your computer's exactly. being on your desk and you're working all day long. You know, when you're driving, a lot of people kind of like, you know, they're kind of slumped into the seat and everything. They yeah. just try to make it look cool or whatever else. It's like, so it's always funny because my, my wife and I first started dating, she was like, oh my God, like you sit straight up and everything you do is like, I, how do you do that? I said, I can't imagine slumping. I said, that is the most uncomfortable feeling ever to slouch on a couch, right. to like slump. Like I, I, look, I enjoy those seats that are at Cinemark. I love the little soft seats and all that and it's comfortable. But I'm not reclining, man. I, I just don't feel comfortable like that. First of all, even from a safety standpoint, I'm not going to do that, you know, just for because you never know it. All the idiots out there these days. So, but on top of that, I just can't really enjoy the movie when I'm all just laid back. Like, I'm like, I didn't come here to sleep. I didn't pay right. $9 to take a nap, you know, or act like I'm at home. If I wanted to act like I'm at home, I would have stayed at home and watched, exactly. you know, watched Netflix or something like that. But I just, it's yeah. really hard to slump. And, you know, for people to hear, they're like, really? It's just hard to sit up. Well, most time, because most people have weak cores, then, yeah, it really is hard to, like, sit straight up and walk, you know, straight up when your shoulder's back and chest out. But like you said, Mike, it's just, it becomes that thing where I'm not constantly thinking about it until I start seeing other people. And I'm just kind of seeing like, okay, so you just kind of seem like you're just like moving amongst this blur of people that are all slouched or whatever else. It's almost like you're moving in slow motion compared to them. It's like you're surrounded yeah, by. I mean, he says, I don't know, like, the whole point. It's like you're surrounded by a bunch of Ninja Turtles. You know, it's just like turtle. Everybody's all slumped and humped over. It's like, damn. I'm on a turtle. Yeah, but I mean, he says the whole point of standing up straight, shoulders back, looking forward with purpose is that you're going to. Attitude receive much more confidence, right? You're exuding confidence. You're going to be taking much more seriously. You're less of a target for people confronting. So your life is just going to be more enjoyable because when a mugger is scouring the strip looking for someone to mug, they're not looking for someone with their shoulders back, head exactly. forward, and, and looking around with purpose. Like, okay, I know where I'm, I know where I'm, my situational awareness is at 100% right now. So if you want to right. attack me, I'm going to see you coming and I'm going to react, right? That's exactly. not what they're looking for. They're looking That's for the guy who shoulders swamps, he lacks confidence. And he, he related it to, to lobsters of all things. He says the lobsters that are the most dominant in the wild, they have a certain posture. And any animal has this, whether it's a lion or a gorilla. I've seen a silverback up in person in Uganda on a gorilla trek. And I tell you what, the second you see that silverback, it exudes confidence. And they tell you ahead of time, they go, okay, if a silverback looks at you, don't look it in the eye. You have to bow down. I didn't even have to think about that. The second that silverback <laughs> looked at me, I bowed down so fast. You know, I made a point about looking at him. He looked me dead in the eye. I, I looked down immediately, and I, and I sat down immediately, and then he moved on. I was like, I'm not challenging you, man. Your back is wider yeah. than any bodybuilder I've ever seen. You, he exuded. Exactly. Come on. You make Lee Haney look like a crackhead, power. man, okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was like, man. It was, it was actually really impressive to see in person. And you could see all the other gorillas that were with the silverback. They were all very fit and in shape, too, but they knew who the king was. And it was that yeah, one right. big silverback with a head, a head the size of my torso, probably way bigger than that. But mad confidence is where I'm going with that. And it wasn't. It wasn't faked, right? We see a lot of guys where they're trying to be confident, but the fact that you're even trying means it's not genuine. Right. Overconfidence. You see this when fights happen at a bar. There's usually what we call in the bouncer world the interrogation, right, where one person gets in front of another. They're pointing fingers. What are you going to do, man? I'll mess you up, man. What are you going to do? You know, the, the, Someone who, who really knows how to fight, who's combative, you're not gonna. You're gonna skip the interrogation and go right to the fist to the face or fist to the fist to right, the store. Right. You know, whatever, whatever it is you're gonna do. When, when I worked as a bouncer at the club, whenever a fight happened, if it was a skilled fighter, 
he didn't give you any warning that he was coming over to punch you in the face. He just did. Like, that's what you would see. You would see the guy go over and punch someone else in the face, and then you had to go break it up. That was someone who was somewhat skilled or at least had purpose. The ones who yeah. didn't have any skill, they had to psych themselves up. Hey, man, I'm going to miss you up. You step outside right now. And then they're hoping that you're going to come break it up before anything happens. And then they can just say, yeah, man, I would have messed you up if you know, that bouncer didn't get in my face. Yeah. <laughs> you, learn, you learn a lot about human psychology in that, in that setting, man. It was very educational. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we could wrap up there. That's that's a ton of great information as always. Yeah, we can go ahead and cut out. We can we can cut out all the politics talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we can we can make we can make that bonus material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably best to because you know when you when you talk about the politics, you always wind up irritating a lot of people. And you can't. It's a no-win so, situation. So, someone sitting there taking notes. I can just imagine someone taking notes. Look at oh man, this is some great information about soy. Then all of a sudden. Yeah, and yeah, what about Trump doing this and that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And they're right. just waiting for it to come back. And Fuck goes. those guys. <laughs> yeah. But I still like the information I wrote down. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. We, we had a guy listen to the last time you were on. I mean, this is, this is someone I just deleted. I didn't even respond to him. But the last time you were on, we were talking about the negatives of hip thrust and so forth. And we also talked right. about things about things you may not know about marijuana usage. And the guy was interested in the marijuana usage. At least this is what I got from his post. I didn't read the whole thing. Once I saw where it's going, I just deleted it and moved on. But he he had such a sour attitude about the whole discussion on hip thrust, because obviously this is a fan of hip thrust. He's like, oh, just because of one example that Jerry provided doesn't mean that it's a bad exercise. You know, you guys just have a bias against it, blah, 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 right? Obviously someone who just was very attached to that exercise, which I find yeah. amusing. If Charles Poliquin doesn't like kettlebell swings, I don't dislike Charles because of that. It's just he doesn't like it. I do like it. Big deal. You know, he has his reasons exactly. for not liking it. I've used it for many years. I like it. I'm not going to get into a heated debate with him and try to convince him one way or the other. We, you know, he's I'm right. a vegan. He's a he's a big time meat eater. He respects what I do. We don't have to debate on all those things. We don't have to agree with. Bottom line is. You know, you, once you reach a certain level of maturity, you don't have to just be friends with people that you agree with on every goddamn thing. Well, that, yeah, just everybody has a difference of opinion. That's there's no big deal about that. You don't have to dislike the person, you know. I mean, and that's uh, all the guy had to take away from that hip thrust, right? It's, it's, you don't like it for the reasons you expressed. I don't like it either, which is why I, can't, I brought you on to talk about it. Yeah. If someone else likes it and they're benefiting from it, and they don't think the negatives outweigh the positives, fine, go do it. Well, you you yeah. might recall. I even said that, you know, it, it, you know, it, it probably, if you don't do it wrong, in other words, if you don't try and put a 250-pound barbell above over your hips, you could probably get away with it. I, 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 my point was that why put yourself in that type of situation where there's a possible injury right. effect when there's so many other exercises that can work that particular part of the body? Why would you even That's put right. yourself in that position? But if you insist on doing that, then do it in a safe way. In other words, use a moderate weight, use a lot of padding, between the barbell and your hips, so you don't depress the nerve. I didn't. I didn't really say that nobody should do it. You know, I mean, the guy wasn't listening carefully enough. I, I think. I mean, he, no, I'm, I'm sure he didn't get that. He, he probably didn't get that far. But you know, a lot of people have relationships with exercises that are probably yeah. more profound than relationships they have with their significant other. You know? yeah. So when you so when you bash the exercises, it's as if you're insulting their significant other. And they have to well, any, anytime you have to defend an exercise, I mean come on, it's an exercise. You don't like it, fine. Don't do it. Well it's that cognitive it's that cognitive dissonance thing coming in again, you know? Right. These people are, right. are, are have such a firm belief in any particular exercise that, you know, if you uh 
say anything negative about it. They almost they they take it so personal. They look at it as a personal attack, which is very strange when you well, think about there's it. That, there's that line in Altered Carbon, which is a really good line. Like I had to write it down. It says, "They go once you believe once you have believed something to be true for so long, when you're shown proof otherwise, it doesn't set you free. It drives you mad." Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's in the, the case context, with a lot of people. Yeah. So for a lot of people, See, they believe. Mind, let's say, for example. I mean, this is not an example from the show, but let's say you thought, I mean, this is a really dark example, but let's say you thought your father was this great person. Like, oh, I always looked up to my father as a hero, blah, 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 blah. And then you find out he's a child molester. Hmm. That's going to fuck you up. I'm not saying, and now let me make this clear. This is not me talking about my father. You know? Right, right. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, imagine that example. And there's, there's an organization that, that Sincere and I support, Project Child Save, and we've had the founder on the show. And these guys basically go into harm's way and they save kids from that are being molested or exploited by the barrel of a gun if necessary, right? These are all former operators. So they go in there and put themselves in harm's way. If they need to kill people, they'll do that to rescue the kids. Now, one of the guys on the team who's devoted himself to this cause, he found out that his father was a child molester. Wow. And they had to hold this guy back from going and killing him. Now, imagine that. You're risking your life saving kids, and then your own, your own father or someone really close to you is doing that. You mean he wanted, That's going to make a lot of people his, insane. Are you saying he wanted to kill his own father? Oh, yeah. He, once he found out he was a child molester, yeah. Holy cow. Wow, that's heavy. That, that really is heavy. I, could, I can't imagine that. I mean, that, that's got to be a really tough thing, you know? I mean, uh, I, I've, read of, I've read of cases where... Uh, where men, uh, people have uh, found out that their uh, fathers were Nazi guards and stuff like that, and, you know, in, right. in uh, you know, in Nazi concentration camps, uh, murdering yeah. hundreds of people. I guess that's pretty comparable too. But some of well, most yeah. of the people, yeah, I mean, up. it makes you it's, it's 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 natural for a human to question their own existence at that point and question who they are. Right. Because you, yeah. know, you start right. thinking about genetics, you start thinking like, okay, is this genetic? Do I have that trait to yeah. do that? And well, guess what? You yeah. were you were capable of doing that even before you realized your father did that because you're a human yeah, being. That's right. The thing is, we right. just, you you don't tap into that. You, again, it goes back to the book that Mike always brings up. You know about um, yeah. you know, just like us being capable of doing evil. Yeah. You know, a lot of us just don't want to think about that until it gets too close to home. Then you're like, whoa. You know, just like you know, school shootings and everything else. We don't people shoot each other every day. But once a child gets involved, then there's a bunch of children, especially when those children look like yours, then all of a sudden yeah. everybody's hyper aware of it because that's a little too close right. to home. But it exactly. doesn't act, don't act like it doesn't happen every day. Yeah. But when it starts affecting you, then it becomes a problem. Or when it reminds you of your own mortality or something that's yeah. very close to you, then it becomes an issue. So well, you know, that's the well, thing, that's just, just natural human behavior. Or, or when, you, when, you hold, when you held someone in such high regard and then you're disillusioned yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, all your beliefs, like, whoa. That's going to mess anyone up. Well, you, yeah, you, you, you can't say that, oh, you know, that's, uh, that, that wouldn't be such a big deal. You know, he's got yeah. good sides, he's got bad sides. Like, no, 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 no. Come on. Yeah. This is extreme. Well, you know, it's it's, it's going to mess you up. No, it reminds, it reminds right. me of, a, of a, uh, a story years ago. Uh, I was talking to a woman, uh, and I knew her father and mother. And, uh, you know, this woman was, uh, had just gotten married, and uh, in the interim, uh, it turned out that her, her father was exposed as a child molester who had molested her and her brother. 
you know, oh. I mean, it was an amazing uh, situation. And I, I remember having a conversation with her. She'd just gotten married, and I said to her, uh, so you, do you plan on having kids? And she said to me, I'm not going to have any children. I said, why? She says, I don't want to pass on the horrible genes of my father. I said, let yeah. me get this straight. Are you saying that you, you feel that if you have uh, children that, you know, they'll inherit some gene that will turn them into child molesters? And she said, yes. So, you know, a father basically ruined her entire life, if you think about it. By I mean, this woman never had kids. I mean, uh, you know, uh, he just, it's amazing the power of that. I mean, uh, she was firmly believed, nothing could convince her otherwise, that she had inherited. I said to her, wait a minute, have you ever had any thoughts of molesting children? She said, no. I said, what about your brother? No. So then what makes you think that your child would be a molester? She says, he's just an evil person. I don't want to pass on his genes. I never forgot that story. It was amazing to me. Yeah. I don't think I agree with her, honestly, because I, 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 don't, I, I think that's a, there's an environmental aspect, too. You know, where it's like, uh, you know, I mean... Yeah, yeah nature versus is, nurture, you know. So, yeah, in other words, like, the fact that her and her brother were molested and they didn't molest indicates, you know, there's something else involved. I mean, if it was a purely genetic yeah. thing, shouldn't they have also... I mean, it's true that... A lot of children that are molested, you know, become molesters themselves. That is true, but it's not. Well, that's somewhat. That's somewhat. That's somewhat of a misnomer because people over. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that happens, but it's it's overemphasized, especially in the media. That like, oh, if you're I molested, so. you're several more times. I think it's more the opposite for most people because you can under you understand exactly how that disempowered you and how it made you feel. You're probably less likely than someone else to ever do that. That's the way I would you know look at the it. impact. Yeah, you know the impact. Yeah, it's, it's you know the impact it has. It's, it's, it's more than just one thing. It's it's another one of those things that's very complex. Right. You know, especially exactly. in the, in, when it comes yeah. to the brain and psychology yeah. and human behavior. You know, so it's so much more. Again, it goes back to that nature versus nurture. Whereas, you know, you have the it might be just the opposite because, hey, here's this person. Like you said, they like they don't want someone else to go through what they went through, and they had a support system around them that you know, help help build them back up from that situation. Then you have some who pretty much were left at their own on their own accord where it could be fifty fifty. It can go either way. Or you could be where they're constantly in that bad environment in such an environment that promotes such a crappy event to happen over and over and over that that's all they know. They don't know anything else. Right. So they end up becoming right. that thing, whether it's drug use, whether it's you know, you know, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's like, you know, domestic violence or something like that. So it's just so many things. Again, we look at that whole nurture, you no know, nature versus nurture type thing. Yeah. And like I say, it can go either way. It's, but it's never just one thing. There are other elements at play just with That's almost anything in life. There's always a whole lot of, a lot of players going on. I mean, a lot we, of synergy. Happens. We spoke to, we spoke to Ty Ritter about that when he was on the show and he, he writes about it in his book and he profiled a lot of child molesters. He actually went undercover as a child molester, obviously he didn't molest any kids, but he went under as if he were a child molester to get closer to other people that are to understand their psychology. And he said the vast majority of the people he profiled, and it was quite a few, were not molested at all as kids. In mm, fact, they, they found it an insult. They found it insulting that you would even imply. So it could be. It yeah. could be. It, so, so it could. No, it could be cognitive dissonance again in this situation. They could be like, hell no, that didn't happen to me. They could be lying. I mean, these are child molesters, you know. Right. Not, or they made exactly it so traumatic they suppressed it and they forgotten it happened. You know. Yeah, that's right. That happened. That happened a lot. That happened a lot as well. Yeah. 
It yeah. happens a lot. So like you said, sincere, it's, it's very complex. It's not as simple as, well, if this happened to you, then you're going to go do this. Or if this didn't happen to you, then right. you're going to go do this. There's, there's shades. Like, like Ty Rader said, he goes, look, there, there are child molesters in every ethnic group, young, old, yep. ethnic. There's, there's not one ethnic group that has more than another. White, black, Latino, Indian, Asian, Korean, Japanese, it doesn't matter. They're right. everywhere. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. So it's it's really dark reading. Like I don't think I even finished this book. I think I got maybe I don't know fifty to hundred pages in, and I was like, all right, let me put this back on the shelf. To actually, my brother borrowed it, and I said, don't don't be in a hurry to give it back to me anytime soon. He's a guy who he really gets into this dark psychology type thing. So I think he actually read the whole thing because he really wanted to understand the topic. But it, it, it's it's a tough read. It's a it's a really rough read. Even the episodes where he was on were really rough episodes for us to even yeah. do. And a lot, of, a lot of listeners found it very impactful. You know, it's important stuff to get out there. But it's not an easy topic to even hear about. I don't know how we got on this tangent, but we went from soy to child We went from wrapping up the show to going to this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think damn, Jerry, what you a lot doing, of off? Yeah. <laughs> what you done with us, Jerry? How the hell did this happen? <laughs> yeah. He's about to get off, and all of a sudden we wheel him in to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, should, we should have segued that could eating soy cause a person to be a child molester, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so... Like uh, Louis, Louis Farquhar has that book, The Secret Connection Between Jews and, I think, the Black Slavery. Is that the name of the title, Sincere? I forget the name, but the, the Secret Relationship Between uh, Blacks and um, Jews, something the, like the that. Relationship, the Relationship Between Blacks and Jews or something like that. I believe that's the name of the book, yeah. Yeah, it's the something like relationship that. Between Blacks so, and Jews. <laughs> we could title this episode, if, we, if we titled this episode, The Secret Relationship Between Soy and Child Molesters, think about how many people would run with that. that We'd have about 10,000 downloads in a day. Yeah, really. <laughs> Oh, all yeah. these nuts on Twitter would be like, see, one more thing about soy. It makes you you're ah, more likely to be a right. child molester. They wouldn't even listen. They, even listen. they just see the title. And just like most people do on the Internet, like, see, told you. And they just we'd have so many retweets. It's like, okay. Yeah. We, we would have people correct. that are pro-soy. We would have people that are pro-soy going, you know, screw you guys, man. There's no proof that soy. It's like, did you listen to the episode? <laughs> you know, no. Yeah. I thought you I guys were vegan. Like, okay, what does it have to do with soy? Okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Oh man, that's the thing, man. That's the thing. You gotta. Yeah. It's almost difficult for me to make that to be the title. So just, just a, as an experiment, as a social experiment, I almost want to just make that the title, just to see what the hell happens. Yeah. We we already know what would happen. Yeah, we already know what would happen. <laughs> so many people yeah. use these clickbait type strategies oh, to try to be as yeah, provocative yeah. as possible. Like, uh, what's yeah. the name of that one guy, that politician, Milo? You know, just try to be overly provocative oh, yeah. to get a certain response, yeah. to get attention. Yeah, yeah. Constant. You see that all the time, all over the place. Yeah. Well, a lot of people feel like they have to do that, you know, to promote their show or their product. And yeah. I disagree. Or to I deal with this. I think you're going to. Or to deal with this no, microwave generation where everything has to be an instant. And it's like, and they're, they're so distracted by so many things. Like, okay, this is probably the one way I can at least get their attention for at least five seconds compared to two. So you're right. just fighting for those extra three seconds of attention. So, yeah. True. Something else I, I put up an article. I put up an article one time. I put up an article by one, I think his name is Oscar Rodriguez, something like that. He wrote an article for Life Extension. And he basically covered many of the points you brought up, Jerry, about soy. Yeah. And I just posted the, and the title of the article was soy and testosterone, right? It, it didn't get into what his, what the conclusion is, 
But the title was enough that people that I know that are anti-soy, they retweeted that article. They liked it. They didn't even realize that it disagrees with their own point. If they actually took the time <laughs> to look at the article, they never would have retweeted it. You know, but I, I right. found that really amusing that they did retweet it. That I yeah, thought well, was really a, funny. Yeah, you get that a lot. People will look at a title and, and oh, yeah. not look at the body, and they have and they they have no idea. You know, they they don't even read through the article to understand the point of the author. I mean, that, that, that's that short attention span thing again. You know. I mean, a lot of times I've, you have seen, to I've seen it on politics, too. I've seen people yeah. retweet anti-Trump articles because they just see that it's about Trump. They think it's positive, so they just retweet it, or, and vice right. versa. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. What can I say? I mean, that, that's the type of thinking you have today. You know, the very short attention span or no. <laughs> or the lack of you thinking know. today. Lack, lack of thinking. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yep. Well, great, man. Before we before we go off on another dark tangent, you know, yeah, really. We'll wrap up right. here. Thanks again for all the time, man. I hope you feel better soon. Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be, like Arnold Thanks says, I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back. Yeah, well, I'll be back. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's always great to talk to you guys too. You know, a lot, a lot Likewise, of interesting. Man. I think uh, yes, that the show is great for having conversations with interesting people. I think that's been my favorite thing about doing right. the show with Sincere for these many years is that we just bring on people from a variety of backgrounds that have interesting things to say. And to have a long conversation with somebody, that's not something a lot of people experience. So I think a lot, a lot of people like listening to it because it's better than nothing. At least being right. privy to a good conversation is is better than not being close to one at all. I mean, True. Exactly. I mean, the only, the only alternative to that is being a troll on YouTube. And saying, you know, Jerry doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Hey, listen, let's face it. No matter what I say, there's always, or what you guys say, there's always somebody that's going to pipe in and say, oh, these guys are assholes. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's laughable after a while. You know, you just, all you can do is just laugh and move on, you know. Can't win them all. You know? Yeah, you take, a, you, say? take a strong stand on anything that's going to happen. I was listening to Jamie Josta's podcast. He goes, you want... It's like when you make music, you want people to love it or hate it, but you don't want them to be indifferent right. to it. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Because if they go around saying this sucks, like if someone posted like, man, this band sucks, I'm going to be curious to check it out. I'm like, oh, really? How bad did <laughs> right. they suck? Let's see. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> if True. they say it's great, they think I'm going to go check it out. But if they're like, eh, it was all right, that doesn't really inspire me to even bother looking into it. Like if someone tells me, I'm like, well, what did you think of the movie? Eh, it was okay. That doesn't do anything for cool. me. I'm not going to even bother. <laughs> no, you know. Yeah, that's the way it works. Something more than that. Yeah, Yeah, that's the that's the way the that's the way people respond. It's true. All right, great man. You have a great day. Everything. Okay. For the information. Okay. Okay. Take care, guys. And uh, like I say, always terrific to talk to you guys. Thank you very much. Heal up soon, man. Okay. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. And again, that's our friend Jerry Brainum. Check out AppliedMetabolics.com. Like I said, I've actually been a subscriber for a couple of years. And it's not for everybody if you don't have a strong interest in nutrition supplements and anti-aging and fitness stuff. But for those of you that love episodes with Christian Thibodeau, you love it when Jerry comes on, you love it when Nick Delgado comes on, that's the kind of audience he basically caters to. Intelligent people that want great information. So if, you, if any of that appeals to you, then definitely go support him. It's only 10 bucks a month. He's not, he's not, yeah. You're not breaking the piggy bank by subscribing. 
Look, man, for the price you pay for your Planet Fitness you know, membership, you can get some much better information that's actually going to benefit your health and fitness. You know what's funny is that, that was a fun tangent because I, I, I'm obviously aware of Planet Fitness, but I've never been in one and I've never looked into it. I had no idea yeah. that that's what it was all about. That that's what they're doing. Yeah, my father-in-law, my father-in-law did it for like two days. He was like, uh, and he's a person that's okay. He'll tell you. He's like, I'm Egyptian. I can't be quiet. So that place is already, <laughs> it was already painful for him to be there it's like he's like it's like being in library <laughs> he said what is wrong with him how can you be quiet when you're trying to get strong <laughs> he's like i don't understand he said man it sounds like the today. kind of sounds like the kind of gym my aunt that I was making fun of on the episode hello michael i'm going to planet fitness today <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to planet fitness for that donut <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, even even Jazzercise got some music playing in the background. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. At least you're actually yeah, moving, there, right? So they're actually tr- they're actually <laughs> trying to get you to work out. <laughs> they're not telling the fit people in that class not to show up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I, n- I never understood oh. the philosophy of people that are excelling being a negative thing. I mean, anytime I see someone who's good at anything, it's inspiring to me. I saw a kid doing some skateboarding tricks the other day when I was walking my dogs, and, and it was impressive. I was like, yeah. wow, that's pretty impressive. It's young kid. This kid's probably 11, and he's doing some pretty sophisticated right. tricks. I was like, that's cool, man. I mean, I couldn't do those if I well, spent the next six months working on it. But so what? It's not about me. It's just, it's just cool to be inspired. I like seeing people do anything that's impressive. Yeah, but if you're not doing anything impressive, then people doing things impressive pisses you off because they're all <laughs> that's, that's in your mind. You're thinking they're doing, they're going out of their way to show just how you're not doing a damn thing with your life. Like, how <laughs> dare they? How dare you point out how much how mediocre I am? F you, guy. You know what's, fu- <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? Uh, this is exciting for both of us. I just got an email from Johan Hari's rep and oh, awesome. she, he's she, she's like yeah man we'll definitely do the show so we're gonna look look to Perfect. book something in march that's a book that's a book you'll love sincere because yeah, it's I'm the best book i've ever that. read it's the best book i've ever read on the topic of depression and i've read many books he's a really good writer the stories some of the stories were really touching you know they were really moving i was I was like wow this is really cool like some of the stories i would read i would have to put the book down and just think about it for a minute rather than just keep going yeah. So I, I can't wait to talk to this guy. He's, he's, and I've seen him in other interviews. He's very eloquent, and he's he's dealt with his own bouts of depression. Obviously, that's what got him to to yeah. go into this. But why I'm bringing this up is not only to excite people about him coming on and get the book, but also what you just said reminded me of a story in there where one of his friends used to be just a real negative person, right? Like she would be the kind of person you get together with, and you're just ripping on people. So you're laughing about it, but it's negative because you're just – you're laughing, getting off on ripping on other people, backbiting right. and so forth. And she found that at a point in her life, she realized how deleterious this is for her mental health, where what happened is she would look at somebody and she'd be like, oh, wow, look at that pretty bride. And then she would try to find some way to say something negative, like, oh, you know, her husband is ugly. or, right. or uh, I would look better with that dress on, right? So like anytime she would praise someone in her head, she would automatically go to a negative response to take something away from that person. And make herself feel better. Like that envy. Right. And she realized how toxic this envy nature of hers is. And then she also made a point. She started analyzing her own thoughts. And it got to a point where she stopped doing this. She doesn't do it anymore. Or she catches herself immediately when it arises. But she also realized that the things that people envy from others 
it's never something that's really worth envying. And what I mean is, or what she means rather in this book is, you don't envy someone's generosity or their compassion. You envy their car, right. their money, their Those girlfriend, things. Yeah, their husband. Things. Yeah, they exactly. Exactly. You don't meet a really yeah. generous person and go, wow, I, I really envy how generous he is. Right. You just, it just doesn't come into right. it because we live in this materialistic world where we think that accumulating stuff and status is going to make us happier when study after right. study shows that it doesn't. And even empirically, those of us that have been through periods in our life where we weren't making great incomes and all of a sudden you're making a great income, your, your level of happiness doesn't really improve. It just goes back to wherever it was. I'm not talking about right. destitute either. I'm not talking about you're broke on the street and then you make a livable wage. Obviously, you're going to feel a lot happier. When you make a livable wage, I'm talking about, let's say, you go from $70,000 to $200,000. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. But in terms of your level of happiness, it really doesn't go up much, if at all, from that jump in your income. More money, more problems. (laughs) (laughs) And here's something to put in perspective. I believe Skype is now officially done with Mike. (laughs) So, So on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. It's just a sign that we've been on here way too long. Make sure you head over to both websites. Head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off all products, all Mike supplements, DVDs, books, all of that. Same thing in my site. You can get 10% off of ebooks, DVDs, career doors, all that good stuff. Also, head over to Patreon.com slash LLA Podcast. Become a premium subscriber and get access to ad-free shows as well as bonus episodes and audiograms, I guess you can call it, that are not going to be privy to any of the free downloads. So, And there's so much more that's coming with that. In fact, show notes, that's another thing right now. So you can get access to show notes, whereas now the, the full show notes are not available on the free episodes. So there's something else to look forward to as being a Patreon subscriber. And last but not least, rate and review us over on iTunes, Stitcher, all those places, man. Something real quick. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a thesis. Just five stars, four stars, whatever. Most likely five stars. And just say, hey, man, great show. Love you guys. Keep it going. All that helps us out and help promote the show. All right? So other than that, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and supporting us through all this and all these years. And we'll catch you next time. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 